0: Hey, welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I really encourage you uh, to listen to this podcast, to subscribe to it, to rate it, to review it, to get the word out on social media. Help us spread the word that it's time for a revolution in youth ministry. And I'm super excited about this summer podcast series that we're gonna be doing. It's gonna be all based on a movement that rocked our world called Movements That Change the World, Uh, by Steve Addison. And in this book, he talks about five keys to movements throughout history. And we see them rooted in scripture. Uh, And we actually did our first gospel advancing summit based on these five truths. So we're going to be unpacking those over the course of this summer. So today, my good friend, Gerard Gunter, Uh, is going to unpack Acts 19 and really help you understand how contagious relationships are central to advancing the movement in your community.
1: Oh man, listen, I am excited, man. Can y'all make some noise for Jesus real quick, man? Um, She is right. If you need that playlist, I got you after this, man. Brandy is a, a favorite of mine. My team always picks at me. It's like, yeah, I want to be down too. So uh, it's gonna be good stuff. Listen, I am really hyped about uh, tonight, man. I'm really hyped to, uh, to be here. Uh, even uh, as as Morgan mentioned, Sun Life, uh, uh, really hype about the work that they're doing through life on life relationships and. Uh, and teaching and, and how they're uh, really transforming uh, their context. And uh, it kind of reminds me of the, the relationship of, of Peter uh, and Jesus. Here you have Jesus, the Messiah, uh, and then you have Peter, uh, this fisherman, um, this, this, this manly man. And my grandfather, he was a fisherman, and, and uh, he always had great stories. And fishermen usually have great stories. But my grandfather was a cusser right? Uh, he was a cusser. And uh, and and, pro- and literally like the fishermen in Peter's day, they were manly men. They were, they were heated and they were angry and they had vulgar language. Uh, it c- kind of reminds me of some of the pastors back home from where, where I'm from, man. And, uh, it, and now if you, some of you guys are like that, listen, just look straight ahead at me. You don't have to worry about somebody picking you out. But what was so unique about about their relationship is that in spite of Peter's sinful Self-proclaimed ways, right? He even called himself a sinful man. It did not discredit his identity in Christ. You know, it was so much so that Jesus said that upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. You see, this life-on-life dynamic resulted in a relationship that was contagious. You see, Peter takes this transformative message to the Gentiles, and, and as a result, he replicates the mission that Jesus showed him. You see, these are the relationships that are going to change our culture. Relationships that are impactful, that are purposeful, and that are replicative. You see, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know who you liked, wanted to be like the most, but I had two people that I wanted to be like the most. One was, uh, don't, don't judge me, Hulk Hogan. I wanted to be like Hulk Hogan, right? I, I just, listen, I, like, let's be real. Like, some of us, we just wanted to just terrorize. We just wanted to do the terrorist shirt thing, and, and we just wanted to flex on them, right? I just wanted to do the flex thing. I didn't, you know, I would find the oldest t-shirt I could and just like, yo, like, it's really what we really wanted to do. But the other person that I really wanted to be like was my cousin Bernard. And Bernard was crazy. I mean, Bernard, I mean, listen, this guy was crazy. I mean, he, he would jump off of houses and and, and I mean, he just he was just not a sane person right? This is him right here at at my wedding. Now, notice he is a crazy person. This is what he wore to my wedding. (laughs) This is what he wore to my wedding, right? And But but for whatever reason, I wanted to be just like him. I wanted to run as fast as he could. I mean, he was like a jackrabbit. I seen him literally run and jump over a six-foot chain-leaf fence in one leap. I mean, he wrestled. I wanted to be just like my cousin. You know, I think about him. I, I didn't have a father and. And and, and he was always in my life. And and one day, because he's just not sane, he woke up one day and says, because we grew up in a tough area of Tampa, he says, today I'm going to make you tough. I said, okay. And so he took me to this kid's house who had been bullying me as simply just kind of the tough kid in the neighborhood. And he's like, look, if you're going to whoop him, then guess what? You're going to be ready for the streets of Tampa. And so he took me out, and and I'm thinking, like, he said, but no, I don't really want to fight him. Like, like he's, you know, this guy brags about beating kids up all the time. I don't want to. I'm 10. I don't want to fight this guy. (laughs) Right? And so here I am. I'm going. But my cousin told me something, and he said this. He said, listen, if you run from this, you'll be running from other things in your life. I said, well, okay, let's go do it. So I show up at this kid's house. His name was Raby. I don't know why they called him Raby. Maybe, the, maybe they like dogs or something like that. But, but his name was Raby. <laughs> And, Ra- and we, I was out there, and I'm, I show up at Raby's house, and I'm like, let's do this, Raby. I mean, I'm twitching like I'm Thriller or something like that. Like, let's do this. I got this look in my eye, and Raby comes out, and his sister comes out, too. And I'm just like, come on, man, let's do this. And I start chasing Raby. He's running around, his, and he has this high pitch that he just screams out. He said, get her, Raby! And I'm like, this guy's not tough at all. I didn't fight rapey that day, but I, my, my cousin showed me something that I can't, that I can be resilient, that I can stand up for myself. You see, what my cousin showed me, I think about contagious relationships, was that it starts, like most contagions, it starts with a source. It starts with a common cause. And because of that, I followed him. Man, he taught me how to fight. He even gave me weird, like, girl advice. I mean, he, gave, he told me one time, he said, he says, listen, cuz, don't give a girl a ring, give her a tree. Because she can lose that ring, but she can watch that tree grow. <laughs> and, and, and listen, I didn't take that advice because I, I am married today, ladies, and my wife would not have appreciated a tree of uh, for her engagement. But, but I understood what he was saying. He was like, choose the things that are valuable the most. You see, but before you get down on my cousin, before you say he was trying to lead me down the wrong path, I wanted to do everything he did. Even when he got into the streets and began to sell drugs, I wanted to be just like him. And I can remember one day trying to follow behind him. He turns around and he says, he says, no, 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 you're going to college. Lead the streets to me. I handle that. You see, my cousin saw purpose in me before I ever saw it in myself. Even if he missed the purpose that God had for his own life. You see, a contagious relationship starts with the source. And for us, Jesus is that source. And this gospel message has the ability to affect everyone that is willing to receive it. And he calls us to that same relationship. John 15 says that if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. See, there's a relationship. There is a result to contagious relationship. See, what you need to know tonight is that God has called all of us to contagious relationships. He's called us to relationships that are going to really transform culture. You see, the reality of it is is God's plan all along was to use us to get a piece of himself into the world, into our community, into our school. He wants to use our very being to get a piece of himself into the world. Ephesians three and eight says this, it says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom and his rich variety to all the unseen rulers and rulers authorities in heavenly places. Did you catch that? God says that he wants to use us and our own frailties and our own weaknesses to amaze heaven. Like how did you do that with them? How How did you change this world with those people? He wants to do that through us. You see, I often wonder though, I often wonder how will we treat this principle of contagious relationships? How will we pursue the need to have contagious relationships that are going to transform culture? And if we're honest, are we willing to admit that we haven't really been that contagious? You see, what I know is, and I think we all know this to be true, that it can be difficult to create contagious relationships. Because we will know what I know is contagious relationships hinge on the commitment of the strength of the message and the strength of the commitment. You see, is the leader equipped with the commitment or the vision that it requires to impact those around it? It can be difficult. Is the commitment strong? Is the message strong? And then the second reason that it could be difficult to, to have contagious relationship because we know that we have an adversary. Yeah, we have an adversary and he knows that the plan, God's plan all along was for him to use relationships to carry out his purpose. And what he has done is, is he has blinded the eyes of this culture to believe that they don't need God's way. They need autonomy. He's blinded this culture to believe that, listen, no, we don't need the God of love. We just want the principle of love. We don't need the, we don't need the God of peace. We just want the principle of peace. And so he has Confused us to believe that we don't need God's way. We just need independence. But I'm happy that we're here tonight. I'm happy that we have an opportunity to counter culture tonight. I'm happy that we're here this weekend when we're gathering because we have an opportunity to go back and create contagious relationships. But How do we make this a driving force of our ministries? How do we make moves towards contagious Ministries and contagious relationships that are going to start movements. I got good news for you in our text tonight in our text tonight, I want to share with you three themes that are that are found in creating contagious relationships. You see, contagious relationships are created when the gospel is clear, the core is committed and when the community is consecrated. in our text chapter. Acts chapter 19, beginning at verse eight, it says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them and he took the disciples with him and he had a discussion daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannius. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Everybody say all. See here Paul returns to Ephesus and, and, and I want you to note that down because prior to that he didn't stay there because he wanted to go complete a Nazarite vow. You see, in Ephesus was known for their occult practices, and he sets up shop right here, there. Contagious relationships are created when the gospel is clear. Acts chapter 19, verses 3 through 7, it says, Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, "The baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who will come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. You see, they immediately responded to the gospel. They immediately respond to the gospel. And I, listen, I've seen this. Hearing the gospel transformed our ministry. You see, we didn't have a problem attracting students. I didn't, we didn't have a problem doing that. I mean, we were attracting students from everywhere. I mean, we knew how to get students to come to church. And in Memphis, it's a very, very challenging city, but we knew how to attract students. If you know anything about Memphis, Memphis has over 3,200 churches in the city of Memphis but we're still top five in violence in the country. And I'm not just saying top five like one, we're number one in violence. And we didn't have a problem with with gathering students, but but we we knew we can play the games and we had the hot DJ, we had all of those things. But what I recognize is that the games were cool and they were were cool for a little while, but after the games stopped, the presence of, of violence was still there. The games were still present. The the loss in families was still present, and we knew that we had to have something different. We knew that there was something missing, and it was the urgency of the gospel. We needed to get the gospel into the hands of these young people because they needed to see a message of hope. And so we began to train them and equip them with the message of the gospel. Listen, this transformative power of the gospel, once they received it, now their surroundings may haven't been changed, but they were changed. And they were ready to go out and impact their culture and impact their schools and impact their communities. The reality of it is we started seeing agnostics come to our our youth group because their friends were going and challenging them in what they believed. You see, when we place this clear message of the gospel in the hands of people who've been marginalized, of people who have have been uh, exposed to generational poverty, we see a message of freedom. They respond to it. They respond to this message because it is freedom. The gospel is good news to all who hear it, to all who hear it, because honestly, if we're not telling the gospel and it does not sound too good to be true, then we must be telling it wrong. You see, the message of the finished work of Christ on the cross is power unto salvation. The message of of faith that comes through Jesus Christ and him alone, not by works, not by church attendance, through him alone is powerful. Some people, when they get to heaven, they're going to be really disappointed. God did not take church attendance. (laughs) They're going to be really frustrated because, listen, the reality of it is, is that if we put anything next to Jesus then it removes the power of the gospel. And what we were finding ourselves doing is that we were, we, were putting, we were putting games and we were putting events next to the power of the gospel and it was losing its drawing power. John 12 and 32 says that if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll do all the drawing, but we were drawing kids to us and not Jesus. The clear message of the gospel says it's Jesus and him alone. And anything that's next to it draws away from its power. It loses its drawing power. I, it reminds me of uh, at, when I'm at the hotel, oftentimes my, my key card for some reason doesn't work. And I, and I go back down to the, the place and say, hey, look, lady, you gave me a, a bad card. Like, what's going on? She says, what was your card at? I says, it's in my pocket. What was it next to? It was next to my phone. She says, that's why. She says, when you put your key card next to your phone, it withdraws the power away from it, and it does not give you access to your room. When we put the gospel next to anything other than Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, it removes the power to give kids access to this transformative message. You see, what I found is, what are we lifting? Are we lifting our own groups? Are we lifting our own platforms? We have to lift Jesus. You see, when we give this generation a clear message of the gospel, they will respond. Reminds me of a kid, uh, Tevin. Tevin was a young man that was struggling with suicidal thoughts. And somebody told him that, listen, if you would just go to Hickory Hill, which is an area that our church is in, they call it Hickory Hood. He said, listen, if you would just go to this area, Tevin was struggling with with his thoughts and he was struggling with, with bipolar and schizophrenia and Tevin was just all over the place. And he said, he talked to his friend, he said, listen, I just need some peace because if not, I'm going to take my life. And Tevin begins to drive in our area over in Hickory Hill. His friend told him, if you go to Hickory Hill, there's a magic shop in that area and you can get you some black magic cards and some, and some crystals and that's going to give you some peace. And so as, we were, as he was driving, he said, I heard a voice and it told me to come to this church. And he goes inside the church and he meets our security guard at, at the time. I think it was our maintenance man. And may, he's telling this maintenance man and he said, listen, I'm, I'm having suicidal thoughts. And, and, and I was going to a black magic shop and, 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 and listen, the, something told me to come to this church. And the security guard looks at him and is like, son, that's above my pay grade. Let me go get Pastor Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> And he comes and finds me, and I'm, I'm sitting and I'm talking to this kid, and you can just see the brokenness in his face. And he begins to tell me his stories like, Man, I just, I mean, I was coming, I was going to the shop, and I, somebody told me to come to this church. And I came to this church, and I'm, I'm talking to you, and he tells me about his crystals. And I, I said, him only the way I could say it, I was like, Man, you can get the color of the rainbow, but those crystals ain't gonna give you no peace. Can I tell you about a man named Jesus? He will give you some peace that the world cannot give and the world cannot take away. And so we share the gospel with him. And I'll be honest with you. I did not believe that I would see Tevin again. The next Wednesday, Tevin shows up at our youth group. And he's sitting in the back of the church and we're sharing the gospel again. And he waits for me after church and he comes up to me and he says, listen, I want to I make a decision to follow Jesus. Two months ago, we baptized Tevin. This is him. Listen, if you give a clear gospel to this generation, I don't care what they're into. I don't care what occult practices they're into. The gospel has the ability to change and transform powerful issues in the lives of our people. But we got to make a clear gospel. You see, what I've seen is the gospel is clear. That name, Jesus, is powerful. That name, Jesus, is above every name. Anything that has a name, Jesus is above it. Depression, his name is above it. Crystals, his name is above it if we give a clear message of the gospel. Contagious relationships are created when the core is committed. We find here in Acts 19, Paul is teaching and he's training every day for two years. But some people became stubborn rejecting the message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannius. Then they went on for two years, the next two years, so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks heard the word of the Lord. Did you catch that? It was huge. Trained believers, all the Greeks and the Jews in the province of Asia. Can you imagine how committed that you have to be to reach all of a province? They were committed. They, 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 they were committed to, to, to meeting with Paul every day for two years. That is the fruit of a contagious relationship that all of a region was reached. What could the fruit of a contagious relationship look like for you and your groups? It would mean all schools. It would mean all communities. It would mean all people hearing the gospel from a friend. You see, and we challenged our students. We challenged that core of our students that, listen, you, we're gonna train you in what it means to share to God. We challenged them. This wasn't no babysitting club. It was like, listen, we got a lot of issues around us and there's brokenness around us. And listen, I'm not against games. We weren't against games, but we just, we had a lot of kids that were struggling with mental health and games were not the focus. We had a lot of kids that were struggling with loss of families and games was just not the focus. We had a games that a lot of kids, that their dads and their moms were in games, and games just was just not the focus. We had to give them the gospel, and we wanted them to commit to it, and we challenged them to be committed to it, and here's what I know. When students who are committed, they will go. They will go. During the pandemic, we had a a hard time, you know, getting kids uh, to be in a church because our churches were not meeting, and you all know that during that summertime, there were riots that broke out all around our nation. Preferably, more, more importantly, George Floyd's situation, his murder. And our kids, it wasn't our leaders, they called us and said, listen, what is our response? What is our response? And I say, well, listen, let's meet at the park because we can't meet at church. Let's figure out what is our response going to be. And the committed core, they gathered their friends and they gathered their, their, their sisters and brothers and they say, listen, let's figure out what our response is. We see the riots, but they got to be another response. We see, we see the, 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 the determination, but there has to be another response. And they called that movement after the hashtag. And those students came together and they had, a, they had a citywide march. They had a citywide march. And if you can see, I'm there, but the students are leading this march. Because they recognize we needed policy, but we need prayer too. We needed policy, but we needed to make sure that the gospel was going to get out because it was the answer to the riots. We, we needed to start a righteous riot in the midst of everything that was going on in our community. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, Greg told you about a situation at our school, in our youth ministry. A young man was shot by a white cop at our church on our front lawn. And that was a really tough thing for our church, but again, our core was committed we challenged them with prayer. We challenged them with the gospel. And they went to those schools and they say, listen, we're going to pray every Wednesday at these schools. And when they get to the school, the school says, no, listen, if you're one minute late, we're going to suspend everybody. And I asked those students, what are you going to do? They say, whatever, we're praying. Because they were committed. They were committed. During the pandemic, we God showed us, listen, you can't be in the building, so you might as well set up shop in the parks. So we took our band and we took our our games and our marshmallows and all that. We took it right to the park. We took it to the park and we stayed there. We were gonna be consistent in that park. And we saw students come to us. We saw students coming to that park. Students that we had never seen. We saw students coming to that park with guns on their waist. And we had hot dogs over here and they had guns over here. (laughs) But our core was committed because the message of the gospel changes everything. And so they go to those students and they say, listen, hey, man, listen, could you take your guns back to your house and then come back and get a hot dog? And here's what's so crazy. They took their guns back home Amen. because these students were committed to what they were going to do. If you commit the core, listen, it can change the nation. It can change your schools. It can change the streets that you live on because they are committed to a cause. I would like to say, man, that it was the hot dogs that make them took their guns back. But I truly believe that it was the core of those students that were committed to see the gospel in their city. Not only that, Paul, right? Paul was a committed leader. I mean, Paul literally teaches them for two years straight. He, ta- he taught in the, in the hall of tyrannies for two years straight. I mean, so much so that not only did the people respond and they, and they go and share against a whole province, then you have demons that are literally speaking up for Paul. How committed do you have to be to have demons <laughs> speak up for you? I mean, how committed? Can you imagine being so faithful? Can you imagine being so faithful that you become synonymous with the mission? Can you imagine being so faithful that every time you walk through the halls of the school, they say, Hey, there goes that pastor. He's talking about Jesus today. Can you you be imagine being so faithful that when you walk down your street, the game members say, What up, PJ? Because you're committed, you're faithful see, Paul was committed to sharing the message of the gospel. Listen, I don't believe that Paul had any more power than any one of us in this room, but Paul was faithful. He was faithful. I, I remember watching this movie. Y'all might know it. I just saw it, The Field of Dreams. And, and, and they used to say this little thing. He said, he said, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. And I was like, that's not true. I built a lot of stuff and I haven't seen students come to it. I've done a I've done a lot of things and they haven't come to it. And I say listen no, I think I think he should be actually saying no if you stay they will come. If you plant your gospel flag in that community, say, We're not leaving, we're not going anywhere, we're going to share the gospel at 365 days a year. If you stay, they will come. Some of us have become burnt out in ministry because we're wondering, Will our students actually go and take the gospel? We don't see the, the fruits of it right now, but I'm here to tell you, it's not if you build it, they will come. If you stay, they will share the gospel. Plant your flag and say, We're not leaving. <laughs> We're going to do this until God comes home. See, maybe we don't see more contagious relationships because we have grown weary in our faithfulness. God said, be fruitful and multiply, but sometimes we want the multiplication first. We want the all regions first. We want all the schools first. God says, no, be fruitful first. Can you be fruitful over here first? And I'll multiply that. You see, the truth of the matter is, Get this, get this, fruitfulness takes faithfulness. Can we just be faithful to show up? Can we just be faithful to, to keep doing it and keep showing up in the lives of students? Can we be committed to the, to the mission that we have? Can we commit the core of our students and not put it on our shoulders and say, listen, I know that this night we're supposed to play Chubby Wubby Bunny, but tonight we're going to make sure that we train you and commit the core to the gospel. question is here's what you need to know we all know this we're committed to be faithful when we are committed to be faithful in equipping a generation with the gospel we can begin to see the fruit of the gospel revealed in all of culture we can begin to see the gospel show up in music We begin to see the gospel show up in politics. When we are faithful to that, we will begin to see the fruit of the gospel. Listen, ain't that what we want anyway? Ain't that what we want? We want to see the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see that right now. And if we begin to commit our core to doing that, they're going to take that to their friends. And they're going to be committed to sharing with their spheres of influence. You see, we don't need no more trendy conferences. We don't need no more cool. listen, listen. Relevance is rooted in Jesus. Our our relevance is in rootedness. If we would just simply stay connected to Jesus, what did he say? I'm bringing the fruit. Contagious relationships are committed when the core is consecrated. When the core is consecrated. Remember, I told you, Paul doesn't go to Ephesus the first time. Chapter 18, he says, no, I'm not going to go. I want to go complete my Nazareth vow. And all that simply meant is that he wanted to go be consecrated. And if you look here in this text, in, in, in verse 19, it says a number of them, who had been practicing sorcery, brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. Here is what we see here. We see that because of a consecrated leader, the people themselves begin to consecrate themselves. The leader. Now, listen, this wasn't just some amulets and crystals. Listen, this was an expensive bonfire. Y'all know how we like bonfires in youth ministry. Like, this was a real bonfire. Several millions of dollars. You see, if we're going to create contagious relationships, we need to be sure that our godly character is what's reproduced and not our sin. You see, we need God to search us. Point out any ways in our heart that are not like him, that are offensive to him. Bible says in Psalms 22, who can ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Only those with clean hands and a pure heart. We've been talking about taking the mountain, but we better check our hearts before we take that mountain. We better check our our motives before we take that mountain. And I know that this can be a tough reality to do that but the community that is consecrated will begin to change the community that's around them. This is a tough reality, but Jeremiah 11 shows us that reality. I wanna read that for you. It says in Jeremiah 2, chapter verse 11, it says, "'Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones? "'Even though they are not gods at all, "'yet my people have exchanged their glorious God "'for worthless idols.'" The heavens are shocked at such a thing and they shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and have dug for themselves a cracked cistern that can hold no water at all. It's a reality when we begin to check our hearts. You know, I've seen a lot of beautiful things in my life seen a lot. Even when I come to Denver every time, I just, I take the same pictures of the mountains because I'm like, man, my wife's like, I've seen those pictures a thousand times. No, but the mountains are just so beautiful. But even more important than the mountains, I think my wife is a, a pretty beautiful woman. Can you show a picture of my wife? I just, I just want to show. This is my wife. She doesn't look good to me. She's beautiful. Now, I got a question. Have you ever saw a woman, and then you looked at the man, (laughs) and then you look back at the woman, and then you look back at the man again, and then you say, one more time for good measure, you look back at the woman, and you look back at the man, and you say, how did she do that? You're shocked that she would lower her standards so, so much i mean you're almost like blown away like why would she you know slum like that i mean there's something that's better she could be doing with her life you would be shocked to see that but can i be honest with you the bible says here in verse 10 it says that heaven is shocked when we begin to choose anything over a good and a holy god Says that the heavens are looking at us, and they're shocked that how could you, how could you place anything above the glory that belongs to God and Him alone? How would you, how in the world would you value anything? And that's what was so amazing about what the people did. They took this, these, these scrolls, and they burned them because they recognized that there was nothing that could compare to the glory of hearing the gospel. There was nothing that could compare to what they had now realized that this was better than any scroll that I could have. They knew that they had found the thing that would value above all and that is a good and a holy relationship with a God Amen. the heavens are shocked that we would decide to choose anything above him listen I know we're in this house and I know these are a bunch of pastors out here but can you at least take for one second to consider that maybe that thing the business that I've been having has, has caused me to grow distant from God maybe maybe the pride that I have has has been something that has been between me and God. And here's the thing with pride, nobody ever thinks that they're prideful because it's always somebody else. And even if you say, hey, I'm a humble person, you've already crossed the line to not being humble. Can we at least consider, can we at least consider that we ourselves have sought out influence. Could you consider that some of us have traded his glory for our own independence, for what we value? The heavens are shocked that you would consider anything over the glory of God. Can I ask you a question? What have you refused to burn that has even heaven shocked? We need to consecrate ourselves what, what have you refused? To, what are you holding on to that's in the way of the movement that God wants to do through you and through your students? What is in the way of you equipping them with the gospel and committing the core? They burned their scrolls and they held the value of Jesus over the value of their once idols because they said, Now we are coming to confess our distance, and they knew that they had valued this above all things. God will not compete with what we're carrying. Before we take this mountain, we got to ask ourselves, God, is it in my heart? Is it pride? Is it humility? Can we be honest? Is it porn? Because God says, who will ascend until the mountain of the Lord? Those with clean hands and a pure heart. Love what David said in Psalms. He said, he says, listen, he says, God, listen, I need you to know, listen, I will not bring you sacrifice because you don't want sacrifice. He says, what you desire is a broken spirit and a contrite heart, and then I'll bring my sacrifice. You see, before I preach, before I sing, before I do any of those things, God, I'm gonna check my heart. Before I go share the gospel with anyone, I'm gonna check my unforgiveness and I'm gonna burn it up on your altar of sacrifice. When we look at the cross, And when we gaze our eyes upon that cross, if we see how dare we look at that cross and put anything before it. Here's the one thing. When we are committed to contagious relationships, we will begin to see contagious movements. When we are committed to equipping the core and consecrating ourselves we will begin to see a glorious the beauty of God revealed in our schools and in our communities and in our homes and even more important in our own lives we can be contagious when we're clear with the gospel i want to challenge us today i want to challenge us in this moment the heavens are shocked And none of us intentionally do any of that, but I want us to, as a group tonight, as a group tonight, I don't want us to come and put on airs or kind of go through the motion tonight. I just want us to to get together in, in groups. And I want us to begin to, before we take this mountain, before we ascend unto the hill of the Lord, before we take our 14er, let's make sure we check our hearts first. What are the things that may be an obstacle for you before you go out and equip your students? What are some of the things that may be, be keeping you from the distance and your relationship with God? I remember sitting there earlier, I was talking to one of the, the people here tonight and she was just, you just saw tears in her eyes because she known she had just become grown busy. She she loved to have a, a devotion with God and I could just see tears far from her eyes because the one thing that, had, that she loved the most in being connected to Jesus had become grown distant because of busyness. Can we admit tonight that there are some things that we need to put before the Lord? In this moment right now, I just want to ask us to get up and and get in groups of twos or threes, maybe get in your affinity groups. So if you say, hey, I just want to get on the wall or get at the altar, but I want us to do that in this moment. And I just want us in that moment, I want us to pray for each other in that moment. I want us to pray for those things that we know that are keeping us at a distance from God. I don't want to just go through the motions tonight. I want us to make sure that we consecrate ourselves as a community before we go out and share this glorious message of the gospel. Can we do that now? Everybody's standing, Everybody's standing. Get in groups and twos and threes as the band comes to play. Let us begin to check our hearts. Let us begin to pray together and commit to each other that listen, this is what is the thing that has grown distant in my life. Right now, out loud with words, begin to share with each other that thing that may be shocking heaven That is more valuable than the glory that only belongs to God. Begin to talk to each other now.
0: I hope you were inspired by today's talk. And our challenge is this. Would you become a gospel advancing leader? There is a movement that's changing the world. Jesus is our gospel advancing leader. But I want to define for you, what does that mean for you as a youth leader, a leader of youth? What is a gospel advancing leader? It's this, one who personally shares the gospel and mobilizes teenagers to do the same. So I challenge you to make that commitment. How do you do that? Go to gospeladvancing.org and click join now. And when you do that, you just come in to this fraternity of Youth leaders and pastors and moms and dads and even teenagers are saying, yes, we're going to personally share the gospel. We're going to mobilize teenagers to do the same. Listen, this whole movement is about changing the world. What's going to do that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And who does it faster than anybody? Teenagers. They come to Christ quicker. They spread the gospel faster. So I hope you've enjoyed today's episode Uh, of the Greg Steer Youth Ministry podcast. And remember, a youth ministry that changes the world is one that advances the gospel of Christ.